Welcome to Bayer Hortcast with your field representatives from right around Australia. In this Hortcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to growing healthy horticultural crops. We are passionate about the future of horticulture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Hortcast. Welcome to Bayer Hortcast. This is episode one and today we'll be talking in this podcast about all things related to horticulture with our Bayer representatives from right around Australia. In this episode, I'm really pleased to have Darren Alexander with us. He's Territory Business Manager based up in the Adelaide Hills and we'll catch up with him in a moment. And later, Troy Mulcahy from the Market Development Team. It'll be really good to catch up with Troy as well. So, Darren, how are you today, mate? Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, fantastic to have you on, Darren. I think uh, this being the first Bayer Hortcast, we really want to reach out to give you know the best information we can around horticultural products, what Bayer has to offer, and what we've currently perhaps got in development and some things to look out for. But Darren, you know, it'd be really great. Could you just give uh, listeners a little bit of a background to yourself and you know the area that you cover and some of the key crops that are in those areas? Thanks, Greg. Yeah, so. Um Adelaide Hills, as you mentioned, up in in Paracombe there, so just uh, just northeast, about 20, 20 odd k's northeast of uh, of little old Adelaide, but um and and from there I, I cover horticulturally most of South Australia, so all the way out to Virginia on the Adelaide Plains where there's a lot of lot of vegetables, a lot of protected cropping, um, up to the Riverland where there's there's not only wine grapes, um there's there's citrus and almonds and and also down to the down to the southeast. So again, again, there's some some vegetable crops down there, potatoes and onions. But again, another another larger wine grape region. And and then not to forget, uh, I, every couple of months I get over to the Sydney Basin. Um, so so I see vegetables there. There's some protected cropping there. But we also get up uh, the um, Hunter Valley. Oh, very good. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about the Sydney Basin, but uh, it's going to be great over time in the Bayer Hawkcast to have you talk about what's going on over there as well, potentially. And, you know, we'll be bringing in other Bayer people from right around Australia to talk about specific crops and issues that are going on throughout the season, Darren. So it's really great to have you on there. And, yeah, how's it been going up in the Adelaide Hills? I know, you know, the bushfires over summer were particularly devastating in some areas, mate, but what's sort of happening now in the recovery phase? Well, the, the recovery phrase is is quite good. Um, it's amazing what a what a gum tree can do. Uh, yeah. So, so really, really devastation. And um, we, we were quite close there before, before Christmas. Although we were one of the lucky ones that weren't physically affected, we could certainly see the fires, and we were certainly on on edge um, yeah. ourselves, and and totally totally spent, not knowing um, is that you know is that fire going to come your way any any minute now, and and. You know, we, like I said, we were one of the lucky ones. Many people didn't even have a chance to, to think of that. But it's been the, the community spirit that's come in since that. Not only have we seen the um, the the area itself grow grow back, but um, the community has, has held so strong together and bringing people back. Um, that bringing in people like the army, bringing in Blaze Aid and, and those sort of people, and, and just just uh, volunteers, you know, the the Grey Army, the retirees that have gone up to that area, 
um, just just to help people out. Just you, you, you chat to landholders in that area, and once they got their insurance quote back and they could put their you know they put their fence and wire back yep. together, the, the number of people that have uh, been there to help will just say, "What do you need?" Everything from from having having your house cleaned, taking the smoke out of um, out of the curtains in your in your house. So all these things have been considered, and uh, it's been a, it's a great community effort. Yeah, no, it's the uh, community effort and community spirit. The Aussie spirit is uh, really strong. And, of course, you know, we're in very challenging times at the moment with this COVID-19, of course. We probably couldn't do the podcast without mentioning that. But, uh, yeah, you know, really stepping up the ways we still interact and communicate with people. And, yeah, let's just hope that uh, everyone stays in touch. You know, they talk about social distancing, but really the terminology should be physical distancing you know we can keep away from each other but we still need to keep in touch and let's hope this podcast may offer listeners a little bit of uh, connection with Bayer and keep that going but you know we're working on plans to make sure we can still show you listeners uh, advisors all about our new developments and whatever and we're working on ways of doing that safely of course under the the guidelines and the border closures I know where I am in Western Australia uh, at the moment, you know, we've got regional boundary closures now, so that's uh, bringing another level of complexity, but um, there are certainly mechanisms in place to do it properly and get around and still be able to show what Bayer is actually doing. So, yeah, what have you been up to um, in terms of, you know, out and, out and about before you sort of, I suppose, started working back at home and I imagine using the telephone and Skype and Zoom and all those things. Darren, what's, what's sort of been happening in the area mostly for you? Certainly found a, a new new way to get in, in contact with people and, and, yeah, starting to use some of that digital information. Um, you didn't realise just how much you, everything you did was hands-on in, in yep. showing, a, showing a customer um, about our product range, about, about our, our, um, just our, our systems and how they work. So to try and, try and do that over the phone has been, been challenging. And um, yeah, it's, but it will. It will probably be uh, the great push that we all we all needed to slightly change the, we, the way we go about doing our business. And we may find that uh, using digital technology that we um, we end, we end up far more efficient in the way we go about our our day to day operations. Absolutely, and you know you can still stay in touch with Bayer. The crop.bayer.com.au website is always there, and great links to all of the information that you'll need. You know labels, safety data sheets, great resources and videos to um, to keep in touch, get that information. And we have a 1800 number, which is 1800 804 479. And I also give that out at the end of the podcast. Uh, but Darren, Serenade Opti, I know in wine grapes has been something that you would you know, be working on or have done a lot of lot of work on and, and that's a pretty popular product. You just want to talk a bit about what has happened with Serenade Opti, what it is first and how you've been using it in the wine grapes. Yeah, well, well. First of all, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. So it's a, it's a biological fungicide. Um, it's a it's, it's a bacteria. So there's many different types of bacteria. Our um, ours is a Bacillus amyloliquefaciens. Uh, comes from a strain QST seven one three, which is an exclusive one to to Bayer. And it's it's been a product that's hit the market only in the last couple of years. We've we've been developing it in Australia for quite some time. It's been available overseas for quite some time. So there are a lot of people in Australia, a lot of farmers that had already heard of this product before it had come to the market. But we had to we had to go through our process to to bring it to market and and really um, mostly as a petriticide 
for wine grapes or a bacteria side um, for suppression in in crops like uh, the Solanaceae crops, like tomatoes or the like. But and and botrytiside for for strawberries is one. But really, the, the the wine grapes has been probably the number one area where where this product was going to be utilised. And and the conditions in the last couple of years haven't been that conducive to to botrytis diseases. But even even despite that, we've seen those those hot spot areas where there has been a little bit of um, botrytis flare up, where growers that have used the product gain some gain some confidence from it, and now we're getting to the point where we've got second year users, we've got the the agronomists at reseller level who've physically seen the seen the product work for themselves, and there's a lot of confidence been gained in it, and a, and a lot of reassurance and a lot of a lot of excitement that we can bring a, a biological fungicide to to the market that really really helps growers get their crops across the line. So, what's some of the you know advantages? What have you know, what have you seen? What are growers reporting to you when they have used it? You know, you can just paint a bit of a picture there. Yeah, well. Uh, when, when they've used it and used it at the right timing, so made sure that they, you know, re- really in the case of wine grapes, you, you can use it from flowering onwards or use it at pre-punch closure or veraison. But the key is to get it on and use it as a protection before before the rain event comes along, before the botrytis actually takes off as a, as a disease in crop. That's where you're going to see the, the best results. You're going to reduce the incidence of the product. And that's where um, we, we've seen... A, some some great results where you may have had a, a berry that's split on a on a bunch from from the amount of rain that's happened and botrytis has been able to grow along that split. Um, there's a wound in that in that in that berry there, so the botrytis has been able to get in there, live off the sugars, but because the rest of the berry and the rest of the bunch has been protected by an, a serenade opti application, that's as far as the spread goes. So we're seeing a, a great reduction in um, in severity. So even if some botrytis does flare up, because you've put out a serenade opti application, you're really reducing the severity of that disease in the crop. And it can it can clearly be the difference between harvesting, not harvesting, being rejected, being able to send your crop down to the winery. Yep, uh, really important, those issues. And certainly being a biofungicide, it's a, a new mode of action, different mode of action to a lot of other things that are there, but should be used as part of an integrated approach, I imagine, and doing everything you can, both chemical and non-chemical. Um, in the case of the Serenade Opti, it is also um, certified and allowable input for the organic farms as well. So do you just want to touch on you know, how would people use it as part of a, a, a system? And perhaps not just in wine grapes, it's also important for you know, strawberries, tomatoes, chilies and capsicums as well. So just touch on that if, if you could. Absolutely, Craig. So it's a, it's a group 44 fungicide, as you mentioned, that's a, that's a new group. Um, it's, it's really the, the, the metabolites and in, in the product that are doing the, the protective um, work. So it's not just one site um, mo- mode of action site. And so what mm-hmm. you see it getting getting used as, um, we're not just using some single site chemistry here. And it's also being used um, in, in conjunction with existing chemistry. And, and you mentioned other crops. Strawberries is one that's been, been a big area where they're so reliant on single site chemistry. They might be using a Scala or a Teldor or a Switch. We're actually seeing Serenade Opti used in conjunction with one of those applications to reduce the, the, the incidence of resistance, but also stretch out the, the gap between between using those sort of fungicides before you know increasing the, the the rotation 
um, that, that, that a farmer can use. And, and we, you know, if we're, so we're bringing a new tool to the shed for, for, these, for these guys. Yeah, that's really good to notice. And I know I was doing a podcast with Sylvan a couple of weeks ago and they were asking me specifically about the strawberries and Serenade Opti. And um, one of the things I talked about on there was the importance of also, um, you know, the integrated disease approach and, you know, removing, you know, diseased fruit and old fruit and things like that. Um, so they go hand in hand. And as you said, they can help space out the existing products, keep them viable for a long time, but also everything you can do to, to keep that, uh, that general biosecurity happening on the farm or in the, you know, in the in the protected cropping and things like that is where this will really come into its own as well. And great resources available on our website, including, you know, just at a glance, uh, what it's all about. And Darren, you've given a really good insight into that already. You know, which crops, we already mentioned those, grapevines, strawberries, tomatoes, chilies, and capsicums, but very compatible as well. Do you just want to talk about the compatibility profile of Serenade Opti as well? There's not too many products that we, we haven't seen that it's not compatible with. So as much as we've said that it's a, a biological product, it's even compatible with, with copper, which often bactericides aren't. But you've got to keep in mind here, the product um, is a spore. So it's actually the, the metabolites that are in the product that is doing the work as, as a protective fungicide. So it can go in the same tank together. There's not much that it won't go in, but keep keep in mind it is a wettable powder. So in most cases, um, it's going to go into your tank first. If you are mixing it with other products, it's going to go in ahead of a suspension concentrate or EC or, or, or even a wettable granule. Um, yeah, so wettable powders often go into the tank first. Oh, great, Darren. That's really good. And I noticed um, yeah, there's a great list of compatibilities on our website. And in fact, if you go to crop.bayer.com.au right now, uh, it is actually up on our homepage, Serenade Opti, as a featured product there. So you'd be able to click straight through. But if not, just do a little type in there, Serenade Opti. That's O-P-T-I for the Opti part. Um, you can get the product labels, safety data sheet. I also notice or would want to point out there's some really good um, crop guides in there as well for all the different crops, and they are excellent to read, as well as some fantastic videos to really hone in on the topics that we've just talked about here on Bayer Hawkcast. But importantly also, it comes in a nice five kilogram pack and you mentioned it being a wettable powder. What's the advantage of that, I suppose, Darren, being a, in a five kilo pack? And do you need to put this in the fridge, you know, keep it cold or what's the issues um, around that? Well, you, 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 need, you need to keep it, keep it out, of the, out, out of the rain, especially once it's been, been opened. Yep. Um, so so moisture is an issue. But uh, yeah, it's one, of the, one of the big advantages we have with this product is that uh, it, can, it can be just set sit in the in the farmer's shed it can be in his shed uh, before the season it can be in the reseller's shed um on on the shelf before the season and uh, in, in a situation like we had this year where there was a lot of hot spots due to a rain event where one one area got rain one area didn't so disease popped up in in certain pockets we were able to transport the the product from from store to store with um, on on normal normal transport and be able to shift it quite quickly and uh, and then have you have the reseller next network be able to deliver that out on on farm um it wasn't it wasn't temperature dependent it was a huge huge advantage and and uh, re- really at the at the point when when the product needed to up and go um growers were able to get hold of it oh, great advantage so five kilo wettable powder and as you said um keep it dry of course and in the shade you know not in the direct sunlight i imagine but but also uh, doesn't need a fridge or doesn't need to be carried around a refrigerated truck as such 
No, no, it doesn't. And that's been a, that's been a massive advantage. And we've had a lot of great feedback about that, which has made it a, a lot easier for, for customers to, to have it on hand and, and for the reseller network to have it on the shelf for the, for, for the farmer. Oh, that's terrific, Darren. Really good news. And uh, there's nothing like good, flexible products, you know, that uh, give that advantage. So fantastic to hear that. Now, we can probably wrap up there on Serenade Opti, but remember crop.bayer.com.au type in Serenade Opti and you'll be able to get all that great information so what it is, where you can use it, how compatible it is and what you can mix it with but importantly these fantastic videos and crop guides that are available so Darren thanks very much to talking about the Serenade Opti, we just wanted to move a little bit um, on to perhaps another regional area that you also work in, the Sydney Basin um, but also other areas that you're aware of in terms of the bushfires, how they affected the grapes. Some areas got quite devastated with, with, with uh, vineyards being burnt. Others didn't so much, but they had their own issues. So you just want to touch on a couple of those as we round out this segment? Yeah, you're right there, Craig. So so the Adelaide Hills, that we actually lost a third of the Adelaide Hills um, to, to being burnt, but then another section of that um, smoke taint was an issue. Yep. Whereas over in the Hunter... Um, in New South Wales, it wasn't actually one one great vine that was burnt, but unfortunately, because the the fires went for so long, the smoke was in the uh, in the area for for you know out, out over past a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, the a lot of those grapes were smoke tainted, and uh, and really we saw the premium varieties from that region weren't, weren't able to be harvested this this season, which is is quite quite devastating to to the region. Yeah, for sure. I saw a landline story on that a few weeks ago, actually, and there's some really important research going on about the smoke taint in wine and maybe some advances that may come in the future with that. But let's, uh, fingers crossed, hope that something can be done, but anyone in that business knows just how tricky the smoke taint issue is. But let's hope there is some light at the end of the tunnel down the track in the future uh, with certain research um, that they talked about on Landline, and you probably could go back and find that on ABC iView, I imagine, if you want to have a look at it. That was a good... Did you see that one, Darren? I, I did I did Craig it was it was a brilliant brilliant episode really brought to light and uh, and there's a good reason why we don't make wine that has been smoke tainted and and it's the because it's uh, the description is that it uh, ends up uh, tasting like you've licked an ashtray and not many people would have licked an ashtray Ooh. but I grew up in a, in a household of, of two parents that were pack a day smokers yeah, and me uh, too. I, I, I know exactly what that taste is like and I'm glad that they don't make wine from tainted grapes yeah right, let's hope that uh, they might be able to do something to remove that but I guess there's a lot of work to be done on that but uh, yeah interesting topic and um, yeah best of luck to everyone out there recovering from all these bushfires around the country uh, Darren as we talked about earlier on in the Adelaide Hills but I think just about every state really has had its issues this year so best of luck to you but Darren thanks very much um, for coming on to the Bayer Hortcast and talking about those topics. No doubt we will talk to you a lot more in the future as we continue on the Bayer Hortcast into the future. And uh, you can get in touch with Darren, I reckon, through Twitter, Darren. What's your Twitter handle for people out there on Twitter? It's uh, at Darren Bayer 2015. At Darren Bayer 2015. And at the end of this podcast, we'll also have our 1800 number and our website again, so you can get in touch with Darren or anyone at Bayer, in fact, through those channels as well. So, Darren, thanks very much. It's been a pleasure to having you on Bayer Hawkcast today, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future. Cheers, Craig. Thanks a lot.
Well, it's really good to catch up with Darren Alexander in South Australia and also he covers that Sydney Basin area and just talk about a few of the issues that are going on in the horticultural crops at this time of year and reflect a little bit also on the successes that have come from some of the Bayer developments. And I'm really pleased to have joining with me one of my colleagues in market development, market development agronomist Troy Mulcahy from over in Victoria. How are you today, Troy? Oh, I'm good, thanks, Whitey. Very uh, thanks good. Thanks for letting me join. Yeah, that's good, mate. So first, um, Bayer Hortcast, um, you're on here. This is the first one, so it's really great to have you and bring some of your technical skills uh, and knowledge to the Bayer Hortcast. So, mate, um, yeah, what do we want to talk about today? You've got a few topics I, I see, and um, we should cover those now. Just give, perhaps tell people where you are and what you do. Yeah, so, yeah, my name's Troy Mulcahy. Uh, I work in purely in the horticultural space, so... Um as Whitey mentioned, this is our first uh, Horticast. We've been doing Cropcast more in the product space for a little while now. So um, uh, I just thought to kick off these sessions, um, we could talk a little bit about our horticultural team more generally um, and have a little reflection on the season that, that's been and kind of currently still in play um, and then start to look a little bit at our, our registrations, uh, some that have been recently registered over the last, say, 12 months or so, uh, reflecting a little bit on those and what's kind of important to us in upcoming um, in the near future. Yep, for sure. All right, well, let's do that. Um, you're over in Geelong, Victoria, and I'm sure you, you travel all throughout and uh, provide great support to our sales team as well. But let's just give listeners a little bit of an idea, you know, with the horticulture team within Bayer, um, what are the sort of parts that make that up, Troy? So we've got, I guess we've got the luxury that we have a, a truly dedicated horticultural team, um, and that really ranges from our, our field staff, um, which we're involved involved in and also um, our field solutions team. So out there working and developing new products um, right through to our sales guys are uh, really focused on uh, on our horticultural um, portfolio and also our marketing teams um, through the back end to support us um, bring products to market. So um, I think that really works really well for us and just keeps our eye on the ball with that haughty space, obviously a, a sort of complex environment and um Lots of moving parts, so uh, we, we need all hands on deck to uh, to get that done well. Yeah, for sure. It's a really, um, you know, it's a team effort and there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work and also great customers that, you know, are really longing for what the, you know, what we're doing in the R&D space, research and development. And I know you've got a couple of examples you'd just like to talk about, you know, from sort of the global R&D investment that fuels our Australian pipeline and makes products available to growers that support us so well and, and whatnot. So you've got a couple of examples or an example there you'd like to quickly talk about. Well, I think we like, we do have the luxury that we um, do have a, a, a global R&D um, investment that kind of fuels the products that we get down the pipeline. So that's a very fortunate um, place to be in. But I think more locally, our power is that we can we can kind of move and react to what the um, the Australian market needs uh, to, a, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really just placing products into slots where um, based around our pest and disease issues that may be really front of mind for us and not so critical around the world. And and a couple of uh, a couple of examples that do come to mind is a product that we recently um, basically extended uh, is Infinito. So Infinito um, has been in the market globally for, for quite a many years. But for us, you know, our opportunity that we saw in Australia was um, in the help to manage uh, white blister uh, in, in brassica crops. Um, so we're able to really work through that, develop it here locally and be able to register that just for us. Um, and when we talk about our future pipeline, we'll, we'll touch on later uh, a new insecticide that's coming called Viego, um, knowing that it has a really nice broad spectrum um, 
activity uh, against a range of beetles and obviously a lot of beetles, different types of beetles, species around the world. But for us, uh, top of mind was Carpophilus beetle in, in stone fruit and also in the almond industry. Um, so again, locally, just really targeting those specific species, um, making sure that we get the, the adequate amount of efficacy data um, crop safety and the residue profile to make it work for us here in Australia, and then pull that pull that product towards that opportunity. And um, and really, that I guess that come takes a long long time, a lot of conversation with uh, with growers and our distribution partners. Um, like you said before, our distribution partners are often very focused on this um, horticultural um, pipeline. They can give us a lot of great insights on um, certainly what's what they see as in being important and, and where we can help out. Yeah, sure. And Bay's got some great programs there to, uh, I mean, we're always available anyway, but we've also got some great programs in the Broadacre area. We, you know, we have a an event every year and, and field events um, under the Bayer Connect banner. And the idea of that is connecting with users of our products so that we can, you know, understand what challenges might be out there and then bring that in through our great team of people and uh, develop things that are really relevant, Troy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, again, um, I think partnering with, with growers, um, like-minded growers, has really served us well. Um, gives us a lot of direct feedback on where, as a business, we should be focused. Um, but not to underestimate that our distributors are really front and centre with these yep. growers day in and day out, um, and also a critical piece in giving us just nice intelligence that we can feed back into the business and make sure that we're we're investing into the right markets and, um, at the right time, Um yeah, it's really, really, really uh, important for us. Terrific. The um, the investment that Bayer makes, you know, um, one number that people may not know, but for, you know, it's, it's sort of around 10% um, reinvestment in pure research and development. So, you know, I often say that, it, you know, you're spending $40 per hectare on a product, um, then $4 of, of that hectare, uh, or however you want to look at it relative, um, is going back into finding new solutions, brand new ones. And uh, that's, you know, making sure the future of our horticulture and agricultural industries are just keeping up there. And as we said before, developing with a really great team. Absolutely, mate. And, uh, yeah, and this, I guess when we... Um we look at even the previous season um you know every season's a little bit different and mm. um you know we're chasing uh, different pests all the time in, in a whole range of different crop uh you know often you have um you know only a limited amount of trials to try and hit that target so you're really trying to um be as efficient as we possibly can get as many um i guess uh hits on the on on a pest or disease and um and get that information back in um to, to push the products forward that's right. No, very important. Now, you mentioned the season there. So what were some of the observations, you know, say last year and perhaps some key learnings? I know, you know, we had bushfires, unfortunately, which would have their own own issues. And we talked about that with Darren in the previous segment. Uh, and then also at the moment, you've got the coronavirus. We'll touch on all of these. So, yeah, how's the season going? What's happening? What should listeners be aware of right now? Yeah, I guess from my perspective, mainly from the from a Victorian perspective, is, you know, it was, it was quite dry early. Um you know the the restrictions around uh, water was certainly a um, top of mind issue for growers. You know, and investing a lot of money up front to make sure that they um, had adequate water supplies for their crops to get them through. Um, and then as the sort of season unfolded, we did have some good rainfall in key regions, which is um, which was really really great, really helpful, um, keep things fresh. And really, as the yeah, when I reflect on the season, the pest and disease um, pressure was you know fairly manageable in a in a sort of broad stat, uh, statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you obviously have spikes here and there of different pests, but but overall, you know, I think it's been you know been a, quite a good season as a general across the board. Um, 
and just when you get comfortable, I guess you get thrown things in from left field and uh, yeah. starting with the bushfires. So um, certainly some regions for horticulture um, were majorly impacted. So, um, you know, orchards or, or vineyards being burnt um, uh, was certainly devastating. I know we had a team meeting in, a, um, in the Adelaide Hills um, during the year and um, only a matter of weeks later, um, a fire had ripped through that whole vineyard. So, um, mm. you know, that was really, really devastating. And, and a lot of the viticulture industry, the ongoing um, management of uh, and tracking of smoke taint and those type of, uh, I guess, you know, big, big, bigger uh, issues in terms of their, their end product. Um, and I guess for some other regions, just making sure that the logistics could flow around um, those those fire-impacted areas to make sure that their, um, the produce could make it from A to B, um, uh, as they normally would like that. Um, and of course, in the last few weeks, like it has really um, changed the dynamic of how we're doing business around the cor- coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, not, nobody saw this coming, but certainly from my personal point of view, um, I'm seeing a lot of new um, on-farm protocols um, um, and just making sure that we're really um, safely distanced away from, um, from grower staff. Um, still ability to do our work in the field, which is really, which is really great, um, but respecting that there is new protocols in place. Um, and then when I think about distribution, though, I guess the way we're compu- communicating already is very different. So yep. um, remote technology is becoming more critical, um, getting that on board and, and getting um, information flow um, to the right people is, is an immediate challenge to make sure that that continues over the coming months. And I think, you know, personally, from our point of view, like we really, from, from my personal role, you know, you focus so hard on um, – developing a new pipeline but as a business it's really making sure that we're um from a general business sense um supporting our growers just by maintaining general product supply um understanding that um you know demand for products you know can spike at different times in around a situation like this so just working with our partners to, to manage through that is um is kind of front and front and center of the, of the business right now and um um, of course, the pipeline never stops, but but for now, that's that's really critical. Yeah, sure is right across the business, Broadacre Horticulture, uh, everything that we're doing, and the teams are working extremely hard. You know, our production facility, um, really keeping up that production and uh, making sure they're doing everything they can to stay safe and not have any disruptions there. So it's all very good news, good supplies. Um, it's just got to keep you know, getting, getting along the freight lines, uh, it should be really good because we know how important all of this food production is, Troy. Well, it's funny you say that. When I think about our production, I guess, at the back end that a lot of our, our growers and distributors wouldn't see is it's much like a grower. You know, mm. they're really working day in, day out to make sure that they're producing the, the highest quality product yep. to get it on the truck in the perfect condition to where it needs to go. And it's really no different for us than it is from producing an apple that's invested all year in they might have, you know, another, you know, a few weeks of production to do to get it off the tree, to get it into a cool room, to, to then maybe take a deep breath and hopefully let the um the issue settle out and um then obviously get it on and make sure that our, our shelves are full. And um I'm sort of pleased to mention that when I you know, where I live in Geelong, I go into um supermarkets and our local green grocers and the shelves are full of fresh produce. And yep. you know, I think it's a real credit to the industry that everybody's working just to try and keep things on track. Um, it's obviously a really important part of um, you know, what people people need right now is you know is, is good quality fresh produce that that is available, um, and I think we're doing a really terrific job um, you know, across the board at the moment. Yeah, sure. I've noticed that as well. Sometimes you know in the uncertain times, people are a little bit nervous and concerned about all of this, but it's great to see that nice food 
uh, fresh produce actually on the shelves and it gives you that little bit of comfort, that's, that safety feeling, I suppose. That's something people are commenting to me. It's just great to see the huge, you know, really high quality of, of fresh ingredients that are out there. Let's uh, park the toilet paper issues and all that stuff aside, Troy. It doesn't really yep. matter at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> the fresh produce, keeping people healthy is what it's all about and it's an absolute yeah, pleasure, as I say, and makes you feel really good when you do see that and that comes down to everyone that's doing every little bit they can to make this continue to happen from product supply, growers growing it, seed companies, everything, um, transporters and trucks. We just can't thank them enough for making sure it's um, still getting through, mate. Absolutely, mate. Well said. Good. Now, we've got uh, just touch on a few uh, recent registrations. There's a few you want to do. And then just really quickly, we'll touch on some upcoming work that you're or things you're working on at the moment that will be future registrations. So what's just a couple of the recent things that have happened uh, for listeners to be aware of right now? Yeah, I guess, um, yeah, we've got the opportunity now to reflect a little bit back on the season and um, and particularly in the vegetable space, uh, we've worked um, on a number of products Um some new products and some older products and stand into new opportunities and new um, new pest control. So um, if I look talk specifically around Movento, like a lot of our um, listeners will know about Movento and its use pat- patterns around sucking insects. Um, what we were able to do a little while back now, you know, maybe 12 months or, or a little more, was um, extend Movento for the control of Platella or Diamondback Moth, which is a um, Lepidoptera, which is a moth species, um, into brassica crops. So that's a really, a really new opportunity for us, and um, it actually creates a new opportunity for that market having a new mode of action, which is the Group Twenty Three. Um, so, I, I guess my own reflection on the year, we've seen really nice uptake. Um, I guess we've seen um, a, a lot of um, uh, great stewardship by the market to make sure that it's getting used at the right time, targeting really eggs and young instars to get the most out of the product. Um, and making sure that the rate we had an adjustment into rate to a 400 mil um, per hectare rate, which is um, which is really critical to make sure that we have a lethal dose to control this pest. Um, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, a broader discussion around, uh, which won't go too deep. Broader discussion around platella management generally across Australia, and um, we've got a number of groups of chem, or we've got a limited number of groups of chemistry to help us in a program. Mm-hmm. Um, including our own, which we've been in this space for for a long time with Belt, which is a Group 28 insecticide. So making sure that we're stewarding um, those important groups of chemistry like uh, Group 28. So that's us and other chemical companies working together to make sure that we're using them responsibly, um, to make sure that we use them and have the longevity of those products. And um, I guess what I've seen the last 12 months when I look at Movento is it just gives it a little bit more flexibility in the program and hopefully can take a little bit of heat off the Group 28s um, for the benefit of, of a program. And uh, you're not forgetting um, all the great IPM-type work that growers are investing time into to um, to get a, a nice sort of sustainable system. Yeah, excellent. Uh, really good there. It's, you know, similar in... In all the uh, agricultural industries or anything you're doing, you know, that integrated approach, um, great stewardship, working together to make sure we keep these tools useful for the long term. Um, and Infinito, what did you want to talk about um, in terms of that one, Troy? Yeah, again, Infinito, just to go back to where I said before, we've, we've really developed that specifically for a few markets in Australia. So for white blister uh, control in Nebraska crops, we extended it into um, about 12 months ago. Um, so that's been really pleasing. It seems to slip well into the program. Um, uh, basically, it's two modes of actions, group 28 fungicide and a group 43. 
um, which really complements existing chemistry that's out there in the market when we think about Group 21s and 11s and 4s and, and, and copper being used within that program. Um, and also having the short withholding period um, uh, of zero days to harvest means that you know, growers can use it late if they need to, if they're really concerned about, you say, in a broccoli crop, protecting the crown or the head of the broccoli. Um, but certainly even throughout the season, just you know, you know, you know, to break up the program and mix it in the chemical groups, I think Infinito brings a lot to the table. Um, so that's been pleasing. It's been a great first year in terms of getting the product out into all the major brassica regions across the country. Um, so, yeah, I hope to see that forward go, going forward. Um, the other kind of key market for us for, throughout this year that we've been focused on is in the leafy vegetable space. We've had a, a lettuce registration for a little bit of time now, um, but the leafy space, particularly around spinach and rocket, um, we hope that you know, this product, having, again, new groups into that market, gives a little bit more flexibility. Um, we've got quite a few good, good um, control options in that space. Um, but, again, we don't want to become, we know already, uh, become too reliant on any one piece of chemistry or resistant variety, um, history will say that that will break down over time. So I'm hoping that Infinito can continue to build in that market um, and really share the load between the chemistry and um, the seed companies are all, including seller seeds, are doing a great job to make sure that we have the, the highest level of resistance we have to downy mildew. Yep. Um, and I think in combination, that's that's the solution for us in Australia. And, um, you know, it's a moving target, downy mildew, and... Uh, as soon as you think you're caught up to it, it moves again. So um, that'll keep us on our toes. Yeah, well, and truly. And uh, look, I know you want to talk a little bit about Serenade Opti and strawberries. Interestingly, I um, joined a podcast or did a podcast with Sylvan Australia, actually, and they um, were really interested in talking about Serenade Opti on that one. So you can tune into that one at a different time after you've listened to the Bayer Hortcast, the Sylvan Australia uh, podcast they have there. Um, I talked quite a lot about Serenade Opti in strawberries in particular and other things. But, Troy, I'm sure you can give us some you know, latest of developments about Serenade Opti for strawberries um, what's going on there yeah I guess a, I guess a quick shout out to our biologics program in general so mm-hmm. it's something we invested as a business um, a, a lot in the last two to three years so initially it was Serenade Prime which is still yep. uh, used you know quite quite extensively through the strawberry industries where Serenade Opti is different a biofungicide um, with really terrific efficacy equivalent e- efficacy actually t- compared to a lot of the synthetic chemistry targeting Botrytis um, so I, I guess when I reflect on the last year, um, again, good uptake, again, across the key regions. Um, I think it will build, you know, I think the, the fact that it has doesn't have a withholding period and a low resistance risk. Um, obviously, a crop like strawberries does need a lot of crop protection throughout um, the life of a strawberry plant and the ongoing um, um, strawberry t- production. So, um, you know, a, a useful tool um, yeah, and the IPM, uh, factor is so critical for the strawberry industry. So, um, uh, yeah, I think we're making good ground in that that strawberry space, and um, you know, I expect that that biological space to continue to grow and grow in that market. And I guess, um, I guess more recently, in the, in the matter of the last few weeks, um, uh, we have been granted all organic certification. So, um, here in Australia, so uh, yeah, hopefully that will, will open up new opportunities um, as time goes on. And I know, look, Serenade Opti at the moment is featured on our Bayer Crop Science homepage, and that's at crop.bayer.com.au. 
great um, range of you know information there about all of our products and Serenade Opti there right on the homepage. You can get resources, the labels, the safety data sheets, um, lots of great you know videos and fact sheets and things like that to really help you get the best out of our products and Serenade Opti. Um, have a look at that one right now. Good. And uh, also YouTube, just Google into YouTube where there's loads of different uh, videos of different experience with both Serenade Prime and Opti. Um, so definitely worth um, worth a look, and they're, they're, they're only short clips, but uh, hopefully um, very informative. Yeah, for sure, and I've looked at a few of those myself, and they are really nicely done, and yeah, really tell you about it, but importantly, you know, how growers and resellers, agronomists, are actually, um, you know, are using these products. So, yep, get on there through crop.bayer.com.au, or as Troy said, uh, Google it and have a look in YouTube. Now, finally, just some upcoming registrations. I know big focus of your work, like mine, is often on the pipeline and things that are yet to come to the market or be available just yet. So, you know, what's the current one and a couple of things to just round out this Bayer Hawkcast? Yeah, so I'll probably I'll touch on the major one for us uh, internally at the moment, and it's a new insecticide um, coming into the Australian market. It will be marketed as a product named Viego. So Viego is a new Group 28 uh, diamide uh chemistry that uh, we've been working in Australia actually from a development point of view for three or four years. Um, Australia is going to be one of the leading um, countries uh, to register the AGO uh, yeah, worldwide, which is also very exciting. Um, it's got a broad range of um, fits across a whole range of crops, but um, uh, I guess in terms of our initial registrations, we're focused very much on the tree crops, so specifically looking at stone and palm fruit. Uh, we're also looking at uh, macadamia and almonds. Um, so I guess what we see in some of those markets, there is some already existing um, Group 28 products and very good products, very effective products. Um, Vegas is a different and very unique Group 28. It's a very broad-spectrum type product, so picking up uh, lepidopterum, so moths, uh, also uh, coleopterum um, species, so things like um, uh, beetles and also weevils. Um, and also some diptera. So in our case, we'll be focusing in the first year, at least, looking at uh, Mediterranean fruit fly. Um, so yeah, new insecticide targeting those tree crops. Um, and I think um, in terms of what you expect to see in the field is um, uh, really what we've seen is outstanding efficacy. You know, I think, you know, when we think about our current Group 28, for us it's flubendiamide, which is in um, yep. our registered product belt. You know, it's a step up in terms of efficacy. You know, it's a it's a faster, more long-lasting that works under more conditions, um, more reliably, um, and really hitting all the key life stages. So, uh, expect expect really outstanding efficacy. Um, again, the IPM profile is excellent. Um, and when we look at the the pests um, more locally, um, uh, things like Carpophilus beetle, which we've developed, it really will be. Um, say for the almond industry and the stone fruit, will be a new group into that market. So that's really exciting. There's limited options there. Um, and we're really working hard with um, growers in the coming year and also um, our distribution partners to make sure that we get the positioning of this product uh, really tip-top in the program and make sure that we can um, hopefully just share the load within that program. Uh, there are limited options there, and um, and this is certainly going to be an IPM-friendly one, and um, uh, including beneficial mites, which is, which is a, a serious consideration for, for those guys. Um, so I guess what's your space? I guess in terms of timelines, we, we hope it to be registered within a matter of uh, matter of months, um, and then geared up for a, for a big uh, season, 2020 slash 2021. 
um, with lots of field work still to be done. So um, get it out there on, on a larger scale and, and get some really good uh, commercial feedback. Yeah, it's really terrific, Troy. And look, you know, as you're saying, more work to be done and, and coming closer now to registration and availability, hopefully. Um, it's important, Troy, to point out that application for registration of Viago has been made. And at the time we're recording this podcast, this Hawkcast, Viago is not a registered product. And of course, with the use of any agricultural uh, products, then, you know, users, listeners, you need to read the label and get in more information from Bayer representatives if you need that. Absolutely. A Bayer staff are continuing to get out and about, of course, adhering to that physical distancing, hygiene and other directives and things like that. Um, but we'll do everything we can at Bayer to keep bringing the information and, and gathering that and getting it out to you, including through a podcast like this Bayer Hawkcast. Bayer's involved in a lot of partnerships with a lot of people and a lot of industries and, and what have you. And you just wanted to touch on a, on a special partnership and make a few comments about that. Yeah, look, I, I just wanted to touch on what we're doing with Horde Innovation. Uh, Horde Innovation is a grower-owned, non-for-profit research and development corporation for Australian horticulture, so an industry partnership where they're, um, they're really working with us to really combine um, specific issues in um, minor crops where our products can have a fit, and Viago is one of them. So what they're doing is really supporting us expanding um, our label, so getting away from what we would traditionally maybe set up um, or an industry would set up as a permit. Um, being able to invest some money um, together, work together um, to be able to develop that on label so that we can broaden the label and have more um, more opportunities for it to be used in other crops. So um, I guess from a broader spent, uh, sense, I expect Viego's label will expand a lot over the over the years or the coming years. And certainly with the Hort Innovation part, it's really critical in the short term uh, just to keep that uh, moving while we work on these initial crops that I outlined in the um, in the tree space. Yeah, it sounds wonderful. I mean, that's really what it's all about, as you said at the start of this little segment, um, you know, listening to what the industry, what growers really need and advisors really need. And here's a great example of, of the industry working together to, you know, bring about a solution or solutions that are really required, Troy. So hats off to them uh, and the industry for supporting that. And, uh, of course, Bayer will do everything we can to, to keep bringing those great solutions together. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Right, so we've covered a lot of ground on this Bayer Hortcast, the first one that we've done uh, for, for horticulture, and it's been really good talking with Darren Alexander and Troy. It's uh, been great speaking to you, mate, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of information there, but, of course, we are very open to hearing what you would like us to talk about on the Bayer Hortcast. So get in touch with us, and you can do that by going to crop.bayer.com.au and all the contacts are there and I'll also give out a 1800 number at the end of the podcast but Troy fantastic to catch up with you and we'll catch up with you very very soon thanks buddy appreciate it see you later mate bye For listening to this Bayer Hortcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1800 804 479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.